BMG Partners and 1494 2AY presents The Journey Podcast. The stories you're about to hear are true. They shine a light on the events and incidents, known and unknown, that have shaped the lives of the Albury-Wodonga region's most intriguing personalities, local legends and unsung heroes. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to a new edition of The Journey, and my guest today is fine arts photographer and arts technician, Paul Temple. Paul, thank you for joining me. Pleasure, Matt. Uh, now, a really fascinating journey. Now, we've f- uh, only just met today, which is always uh, great to meet new people and find out their um, their journey. And the first question we like to kick off with always is the connection to the local area. So were you born and bed- bred here, uh, Paul, or uh, did you grow up somewhere else? Yeah, I, I was born in Melbourne and um, moved up here in 1985 to take a job out at um, Northeastern Dairy Company. So I'm almost a local now. Yeah, almost exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so whereabouts in Melbourne did you did you grow up? Um, uh, it was a bit of a journey. Started in Carlton, which is why I'm a Carlton supporter. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> uh, we moved to Ashburton and then to the Moorabbin area. Yeah, which was- is where I met Ian, um, who's my partner in the exhibition that's on show at the moment. Yes, and we'll we'll talk about the um, the exhibition at um, the Library Museum um, coming up soon, but um, let's continue on the childhood for a little while first. So, um, born and bred in the city, um, did you get on with city life? Did you in- enjoy the, the, the city? Uh, I enjoyed getting out, <laughs> um, you know, camping and so on in the country. So I guess we had um, some, or my wife's had some family up here. Um, one, her sister and, bro- and sister's husband moved up here and we followed a few years later because we, we visited a lot and we liked the area. Um, I liked snow skiing and the s- snow fields weren't far away, so that was quite good. And... The quiet life and the country, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot that, of a lot of people. I mean, you know, they don't know any different in the city. But as soon as they they get a taste of regional living, I like myself actually. I was I was brought up in the city, and um, as soon as I got here, it, it took a couple of years, I think, before I started to really appreciate it. And now I'm. I don't know if you're the same, but when you go back to Melbourne now, are you like me, and you're just like, can't wait to get out of this place. Definitely. <laughs> Any big city, I, I can't yeah. wait to get out. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, my wife and I have travelled a little bit recently and, you know, you always land in a, or usually land in a big city and it's like, let's get out of here straight away and get to the, you know, country, yeah. rural yeah. areas. Yeah, but as someone who's taken a lot of uh, photographs of um, concerts, I mean, you'd have to go to the city a lot, wouldn't you, to see the big stars? Um, not always. No, some, but we've had a lot of people in the local area True. that visit over the years. So, yeah, there's some that the really big ones are only in the city. Um, yeah. Like the Rolling Stones, I mean. That's true. What year did you say you moved up? 85. 85, yes. So you would have, I'm thinking you would have missed ACDC at the Aubrey Entertainment Centre? Yes, I, I didn't see ACDC. There's a lot of people that we missed. You can't go to everything, you know, you have a limited 
budget. Yeah, true. <laughs> and we were paying for our own tickets to go, so... Yeah, yeah. All right, let's Mostly. go back to... Um, the, cause you, you mentioned um, your partner in the exhibit, who's uh, Ian Hood. Um, how did you uh, meet Ian and um, talk me through your initial love of photography itself? Yeah, well, um, I lived at Ashburton for, you know, up until... 1966 and my father died when I was young my mother remarried and we ended up moving to Hyatt and I went to Hyatt High School um, in the middle of 1966 Um, in the class the teacher said okay um, Ian um, and a couple of other guys um, look after the new kid (laughs) so we were introduced at that time, and um, Ian and I both had a well, similar taste in music, and we liked photography, and hit it off. So we, we've been friends ever since. Yeah, wow, that's brilliant. And you, would you meet up with him and and go to concerts, or would you t- you you'd always taken photos apart and then just just combine the results? No, we um, we met at concerts. Uh, sorry, I went to concerts together. So normally it was like we went as fans. So you'd buy a ticket, it could be anywhere. <laughs> uh, you get as close as possible, but you know. Um, so it was interesting because, you know, we'd be sitting next to each other and you'd take a photo and you'd hear a click almost at the same time because you know when to take the photo if you like. So we were sort of both almost doing it at the same time. Yeah. Interesting. And he has he stayed in Melbourne? Yes, yes. Um, and in those early days when we are together um, using film, you had a limited, you know, you limit yourself to maybe two films for a concert. So you're, you're budgeting the shots, you know, over the... Well, a lot of the concerts were quite short then. Like I think the Rolling Stones when I first saw them, was like about the length of an album. The really? Whole yeah, right, yeah. right. Now they're blowout. I mean, um, Paul yeah, McCartney's latest one, three hours and yes. 15 minutes, somewhere around there. Yes. So have our expectations gone up quite a lot about about what makes a, a good concert? So people were satisfied with the shorter concert back then? Well, you were. Um, and they do a matinee and then an evening show on the same day. So, you know. It, it's sort of spread out, I guess. Yeah. But like a ticket was, I don't know, maybe $11 or $7 or something to get in, you know. No, I think it was the cost of an album, actually, which was maybe, you know, $6 yeah. or $7. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, to see the Rolling Stones, that was pretty good. It's amazing. <laughs> so you so you um, partnered with Ian and you'd, you'd go to concerts and you'd take photos, but when you moved here in 85, was there a concern that you would – that you wouldn't be able to go to as many concerts and 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 miss out uh, compared to living in Melbourne? Was that ever a concern for you or you didn't really worry? Um, it was one of the th- detrimental things, I guess, because you j- just couldn't go down the highway and every time. But um, they still happened, you know, the, the bigger ones. Um, I guess it took away um, smaller things that, you know, like Skyhooks and Dragon and um, I think it was Billy T that Ross Hannaford was in 
were at a thing called Expo 78. So it was free, just walk in, big circus-like tent, uh, and you saw these people for nothing. Uh, if you're living this far away from the city, I guess it just doesn't happen as easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but we travel, you know, for concerts if there's something on. And it hasn't always been rock photography that you've been that you've been in, uh, um, focusing on, and we'll, we'll get to the other aspects of your photography in a tick as well. But I just want to um, go back to to um, another element of your, your your working life and your life generally, and and that is uh, chemistry and um, and and the like. Talk me through. Um, uh, what you studied at university and what led to your position in the dairy industry? Yeah. Um, I guess uh, one of the things I was always interested in science fiction reading and science fact. And so science was a, a big interest uh, and I decided to do that at uni. Um, so I got my degree in industrial chemistry and, um, that was at RMIT and Ian was doing illustrative photography at RMIT. And photography and science and chemistry always went together. It was just, you know, you Especially took your, you then, took your right? films to the pharmacists in those days for developing and so on. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, you get into science, you'd like to do research. I guess I wasn't clever enough for that, so I ended up in the food industry, uh, working for Arnott's. And uh, in the laboratory and for the last year in, um, in uh, product, new product development. And then I decided, oh, that last year we were sort of looking to move up here, so it was a matter of finding a job that suited. and. I got the quality manager's job at um, Northeastern Dairy Company out at Keywall. So yeah. that's how we got here. And how long were you there for? Uh, seven years. Um, then I had to, to, well, it was one of the sliding door moments that you talk about where our daughter uh, came down with a genetic illness and... It was a decision, you know, do I keep working or do I give up? I had to give up to be a full-time carer. So that's where the chemistry finished, basically. Um, my wife and I were full-time carers from, well, I actually left work on my 40th birthday, 1992. And we were carers until 2000 when our daughter passed away. So then we started looking for other jobs. Um, I was looking at, you know, chemistry, obviously. Um, couldn't get anything. I uh, had one interview with um, Murray Goldman, who was took over Northeastern Dairy Company and, you know, didn't get that job. And then my wife got a job first in uh, pain management at Wodonga Hospital. She'd done a nursing degree. Oh, sorry, um, diploma in that time so it was like I was I was ready to move anywhere at that stage uh, because I was trying for the local area but you know you need to earn money um, so 
when she got the full-time job, that sort of freed me up a little bit. I was doing casual work for uh, Master Foods and for Albury City. In the, I started in the museum just as a casual on the weekends, opening up the museum for people. And then went to the gallery as well. And that got me into installation work because I needed helpers to install artwork and objects. Um, so that's, that's a big part of the story, but I guess the next important part was that once my wife obtained a full-time job, um, there was a short couple of weeks uh, that I could apply for a doing um, a Bachelor of Arts at Charles Sturt Uni in photography. So that's history. I took that on, got into the course and, and did a BA. Um, the other interesting thing was my younger daughter started at the same time doing a double degree in a Bachelor of Arts in photography. Oh, that's brilliant. And, yeah, and graphic arts. So were you in the same classes as? Oh, we were. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, bad luck for her, but yeah, you, know. <laughs> you didn't cramp her style at all, did you? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. So it uh, it feels like this phase then of of your career has been the the one that's more passion based because I mean this is an area of your life that you have a genuine passion yeah, for. I guess if I'd have got into research or something in chemistry. You know, I would have been more passionate about that. Um, making sure the food that you eat is good and wholesome is great, but not the same, I guess, um, mental, you know, capacity. Yeah. Um, you like to really get into something and, yeah. So photography took that over at yeah. that time. So let's talk about the different styles of photography that you've dabbled in. Yeah, well... There's different genres that go right through, like the con. I guess I started because I went to concerts. I liked concerts, so it was and at natural. that stage it was just about. Uh, sorry to interject, but it was just sure. about the pleasure of taking the photos of the artists. Oh, sure, right? yeah. I it mean, was, it wasn't. It was a, a memory sort of thing. thing. That's what photography is. A lot of the time is jogging memory. Um, the other one, of course, is you know because we went camping and so on, uh, landscapes. Um, I guess I did some wedding photography in Melbourne, but that didn't do much for me. <laughs> it's very, um, oh. very stressful, especially with film because you don't know what you've got until a week later. Um, and I guess I'm, I've always been a fairly shy sort of person. So, um, doing portraits and things wasn't, I guess, comfortable for me. Um, but I have got into that a bit more lately. Um, it, locally, we've we have a group online. It's called um, Creative Photo Shoots, and that's where you have models, makeup artists, photographers, um, all collaborate together. So it's about we work for each other. It's all free. Um, if a model suggests something. They ask for photographers or makeup artists to help 
and you know you put your hand up or don't yeah whatever it is yeah and as a photographer you provide them with images um and the photographer wins by having images for their own portfolio as well so um yeah i've i've got more into that lately yeah yeah and what what is what's classified as um fine art photography i mean what um, does that involve i guess it's more where you have some sort of concept in mind um like with with the models again uh i did a photo shoot oh let's call it a goth photo shoot where um you know i like a bit of mystery in photos so that sort of worked um and i i guess that's what fine art photography is but it can be anything really what whatever your yeah, yeah. passion or genre is um and I, I remember um, you were put together or, or a major part of um, of an exhibition in Wodonga, I think once, that involved fine art photography. Uh, Could be wrong. I'm trying to think of which one. So, so you've, you've done a number, haven't you, in, in yeah, the region? I've, I've always tried to have one of my own annually, if I can. And then I've collaborated with a couple of other photographers and we've had a few exhibitions together. Um, I like doing alternative processes, which are basically old types of photography, uh, from daguerreotypes to tin types to you know cyanotypes. So we did a big cyanotype a few years ago. Um, that was for um, there's a World Cyanotype Day in September. Um, right. Cyanotypes are blueprints, basically. Um, architects and that used to use blueprints for their plans and whatever. So we did a full-size, two models sitting on a, a sensitised piece of material and, um, yeah, just creates a, an image. Yeah. So you'd call that fine art photography, I guess. That's is, is photography... Uh, more creative now with the tools that you've got compared to the way that it was because obviously technology is just unbelievable yeah now it's, it's no different it's just easier yeah did did you um, prefer do you prefer the the old ways of doing things with film cameras and 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 the like or do you like the digital world where you can take a million shots and pick um, the best i combine both so it doesn't sort of worry me. Uh, going back to concert photography, um, in the film days we had to, you know, the fastest film you could get was 400 ASA, so you had to push the film by chemical development. Uh, colour was even more difficult, but Ian doing the illustrative photography course had access to a few tricks, so we could do colours transparencies as well yeah um the beauty of digital now is you can dial up you know sixty thousand iso or something and it can can be nearly dark and you'll get photos yeah um they're not always good i won't say that because lighting at concerts can be well is variable and can be very terrible um and even with you know, if the lighting's bad, even digital 
can't do a good photo. Yeah, but it just... But it's much easier. Yeah, I can I can understand it. But, Especially for colour. I mean, with someone who has a science and chemistry background, I mean, that would be something that you'd, you'd miss, surely, because you, you used to be able to muck around with all the chemicals. <laughs> in well, the, I, I suppose that's why I like alternative processes, because you make up your own things. Yeah, yeah. Tintypes, you make a... You make the emulsion yourself and pour it onto a piece of tin and then it all has to be done. The photo has to be taken while everything is still damp, otherwise it doesn't work. So you put the emulsion in, you put it in a bath of silver, you know, it's all that sort of yeah, stuff. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there must be a whole generations now have just lost the art and ability to, to do that kind of thing. Uh, yes. Um, I think at uni, I finished in 2004 in the BA and I think that was the last year that they were doing, let's call it wet photography. Wow. You know, the old style. Yeah. It pretty much went to digital yeah. after that. Pinned it up and on I think the in my class line. I was the only one that did traditional photography and the others did made digital photographs. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. couldn't afford a decent digital camera at that time, so... <laughs> Is there, is there much money in photography outside of weddings? Um, I don't think so. Do, do you? That, that's um, why uh, artists have other jobs, I guess. And it's been great working in you know museums and galleries because you you get to handle artworks up close. Um, and it, and I guess you're looking at things, and you, you know, you, you can take things from any artwork, and you know, sort of develop it into your own, or it becomes part of you. It's in your head, so in the background there, it's saying something. So you, you when you do make a photograph or something, you, um, that's all working back there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you were. Uh, you were talking about the art technician side of, of of things, and that's been you you were suggesting. So that's really the um, the, the 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 main kind of foundation of your your career after forty, and 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 you left the the food industry. So does that involve putting together um, exhibitions essentially for for people? Is 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 that how it works? No, we're just, well. There's there's more more than just myself, but. We're um, contractors now at Albury City, so if they don't, if if they need a another pair of hands, they give you a call and say, you know, can you work certain times? So it's not constant. It might be a couple of weeks every few months, um, but I guess I'm. It was it was a lot more earlier on. Uh, when I first got my degree, um, and it sort of slowed down a little bit. Maybe I'll slow down a little bit getting older too. But um, it it was enough for me, with my wife wife working full time, and I was getting, you know, a fair bit of work. So it never became full time, but it earned enough money to to buy equipment. Um, keep everything moving and more recently I've, I've done some NDIS work in mentoring 
um, people in art and photography. So that's, you know, there's lots of little different things where you can earn money. Yeah. You don't earn much money from having an exhibition and trying to sell things, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's go to your exhibition, though. That was a neat little segue. Um, 50 Years of Rocking Pictures at uh, the Library Museum, and this is a compilation of images that you've taken and Ian. Um, so how many images are, uh, are there in the exhibition? There's... 49 plus 12 cyanotypes. So I use the cyanotypes for the... We've got a section on blues music and I put them in hoops so to, I guess, be like records, you know, round. They're 10-inch, yeah. And blue for blues, quite, you know, worked out. Um... There are a couple left out because we couldn't quite fit them all in. And there's a few objects and memorabilia from concerts and uh, Duke magazine, which we had photos in. I should tell that story. Um, back when I was still in Melbourne, we would go to a concert at Dallas Brooks Hall on a Sunday night. We'd go home, process the film, dry the film, print photos, and he would, would drop them at, um, at The Age, which produced Duke magazine on a Monday morning. And, you know, you get $7 a print if they use them. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it was, um, it was not about the money. I guess it was just like we'd look at the magazine and say, oh, we can do that. You know? Yeah. Um, so why not? Ian worked in the city. So it was easier for him to call in on the way to work. So, but yeah, um, it was a lot of work for not much. Yeah, but it but was it, it was good enjoyment. Yeah, well, that's that's it, isn't it? The, it? It was clearly a passion project. And who um, out of the concerts that you've been to, and I imagine you've been to almost too many to count. Are there any that really stand out, both from an actual concert perspective, but also from the photography aspect as well yeah I did a rough count and there's about 150 um, artists that well, that I have um, photos of um, the concert well the first concert that I went to stands out that was the Rolling Stones at the Palais in Melbourne in 1966 and I was 13 so do you pretty... have photos of that one? No, no, no. I only had a box brownie camera at that stage. You couldn't <laughs> couldn't do it. But um, you know, the, we, we were both Rolling Stones fans, so they were number one. So Kuyong Tennis Courts in '73 is one of the oldest photos we have in the exhibition, which was 50 years ago this year. Um, but some of the other ones that stand out are. Um, I did some work for Rival Street Press in Albury, Wodonga. Um, I was at a concert at Sodens and Amy Warnock, who put the paper together, came up and said, oh, would you like to contribute? I said, oh, yeah, sure. And she sent me to a few concerts as a photographer. And I saw people that I wouldn't have gone to see. So there's a few that stand out. And 
and one of them is Mammal, who I'd never heard of. Mammal? Yes. And they were, they were pretty wild, and I, that was scary because <laughs> if you check out the photo when you go to the exhibition because it's really in your face. So a few things that I went to that I wouldn't have gone, I really liked the photography, you know. That, again, was at Soden's and it was, you can get right up to the stage, not sitting back in the in the bleachers like we were when we paid for concerts, so it was good. Yeah. And what, what do you love about um, um, taking photographs at concerts? Well, the first thing was just the memory and, you know, going to concerts. Um, and then it became, I guess I look for expressions on the faces. I, I love guitar players, the way they uh, pull faces when they're doing a solo, you know, it's just magic. And mm. I've got a few few series in there. Um, uh, the guitar player with um, the Black Sorrows, uh, Claude, I've forgotten his last name at the moment, Claude, yeah. If you go to a Black Sorrows concert, you've got to watch his face. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. Who was the other one? Um, oh, Andrea Mar band. There was a guy called Greg Dodd. He's got his own band now, but again, you just watch the face. Yeah. Lockie Dolly, um, I first saw he was with uh, when Billy Thorpe played at Lavington Panthers. Um, and he nearly stole a show from Billy Thorpe because he was just wild. He's a keyboard player. And so we go to see him. He's got his own band. And he he also sits in with many other artists yeah, as a keyboard yeah. player. Yeah. Now, obviously, you love music, and, and that's uh, one reason why you go. But um, but you also mentioned Carlton right at the start, so you, clearly you love sport as well. But you, you haven't gone down that avenue and taken a lot of sports photographs? Uh, not a lot. I... That was one of the other reasons I got interested in photography because I was going to football all the time in Melbourne until I I was also playing football. So when I couldn't go to games when we started playing on Saturdays or something because all the games were Saturdays then when, it was, re- when yeah. it was real football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, that's right. So, but yeah, I, I did sport. I... For a fair while, um, yeah. Remember the jet boats up here? We, I, well, took my daughter along, and she ended up winning a competition with one of her jet boat shots. Oh, that's so, brilliant! It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your daughter has um, obviously followed in your footsteps somewhat, or you uh, followed in her footsteps in a way as well. You started university at the same time, but no, she would have ta- gotten it from you, obviously. Yes, yeah. So because wh- wh- both my daughters. Then? Both my daughters took photos. Yeah. Um, they both yeah. won competitions in, yeah. you know, like the local shows and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, she's continued on in the in the arts? Um, not really. She has a – well, we have our first grandson, so oh, very she's nice. sort of just working at Bunnings at the moment. They moved to Tasmania in the middle of the pandemic or at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Um. Her partner was doing drilling on the um, Snowy Two um, with the drilling company that came down from Toowoomba. 
where they were living. And he got home from his second trip there and was retrenched. And they had thought about going to Tassie and they said, can you help us? You know, because they needed to sell the house. So we helped a bit, got them down there in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. And um, that's a part of history too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, and the arts is such a difficult um, industry to to focus on in a career, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 difficult. It is. Um, she didn't finish her graphic arts because the graphic arts section of her course was at Wagga, and it's really hard to get there. You know, I offered to take her, but I think she wanted to get out and earn money, so. Yeah. 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 No, Graphic art is better money earner, I think. Photography and other arts are sort of, you know, if you if you strike the right spot, yes, you can earn money, but many don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally understandable. Uh, which is why I never really pursued photography earlier, because I thought, no, it's too much of a risk. Yeah. So lo- looking back to. You know, when you were a kid, um, do you do you think that you know you would be happy that your life has gone in this direction? Has it turned well, out the way that you <laughs> well that you, want, you you kind you, of wanted when you started no, out? I mean, it was obviously turned right on its head when our eldest daughter yeah. became ill. Um, so no, you don't want that part, but you know. You go with the flow. Yeah, that's, that's um, a fork in the road, and you have to just go with it. Well, that's You've got it. no choice. Yeah, so. I mean, there's a lot of, um, and you made mention of it earlier, a sliding doors moment, mm. and uh, no one can predict um, uh, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that that just must have been an awful time in your life. But was it rewarding as well? I mean, you're saying, um, you know, you became a full time career for the better part of a decade. Care, yeah, sorry, look, I should say. Uh, I guess we had we probably had more time with our daughter than people have with their daughters normally, because they go off and do their own thing. We we were with her twenty four hours a day, you know, for that twelve years. Yeah, um, and she was amazing. Um, when she was first, well. First thing we noticed was she, Alana was just losing her balance a little bit. We you know, we had family things. We'd go to Melbourne and we'd have cricket in the summer, you know. So she was playing cricket before Christmas, so we bought her a cricket bat and ball for Christmas. And not long after that, she was swinging at the ball and would fall over. So we knew something was wrong. Yeah. How old was Alana at this stage? She would have been seven, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. Into nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah. So, within six months, she couldn't walk, unaided. So you know, um, I think doctors didn't think she would see her twelve months. I think. You know, yeah. They didn't say that, but. Yeah. You know, you get the impression. Yeah. yeah. What did you learn so from she was her? A, well, she accepted it and just enjoyed life, you know. Yeah. A lot of kids don't. They get involved in silly things and, you know, sort of can waste their lives. And I 
I say, well, look at Alana, you know, she grasps every minute. Yeah, she didn't take it for granted at all, no. obviously. And look, she didn't. Most of the time, she was very happy, even though you know she had restrictions. You know, the the body tended to shut down. You know, the legs and the arms, and you know. But she loved reading, and she had one good arm that she flicked the pages. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing that you know. Yeah, and it would have obviously changed. She loved meeting people. Yeah. Especially if if they were from another country. Yeah. She just loved other cultures, you know, and. At the end, she was saving for a trip to Japan. Yeah, you know, because yeah, and and uh, you and your your wife. Um, and what what was what's her name? Andrea. Andrea. So yeah. it, I mean, it obviously would have changed you and Andrea so much in that period as well. Did you come out of it slightly different people than oh, going think, into the period? I think you have to. <laughs> um, I mean, Andrea ended up doing nursing. And she wouldn't um, have done that before. Um, I think she always wanted to be a nurse when she was a kid, but it, you know, we had a fa- family, and you know, she, and because Alana had, whilst it came on when she was seven, she had some things early in life, um, which were signs of this, but we didn't know at the time. Nobody knew at the time. So Alana had just got to a peak, I guess, so that she was like other kids riding a bike, running around, and then it just all went downhill. So, you know, I've got to admire Andrea for going into that field. Um, I was told by a friend who worked in disability care that I could get a job any day. I thought, well, no, I can't do that because I've just done 12 years and, you know, but now I'm doing some NDIS stuff and helping a couple of people that do have some disabilities. So, in, in a positive way, I hope. So, you know. Yeah, oh, it's a, it's it's amazing, and and as we said, that's just something in life that you can never, well, you could never imagine would happen to you, and, and no, you a, have to adjust. It's your, your worst nightmare, completely. really. Mm. But yeah, I think we've come out of it fairly strongly, and you know. I admire my wife and my other daughter because uh, obviously Melanie, um, as much as I try to share everything around, you know, the disabled kid gets a lot of the attention and Melanie's come out really well. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we are nearing an end. It's been fantastic um, listening and talking to you about your journey but uh, we will wrap it up in our traditional way with our wrap-up questions are you ready for these paul yeah um if you're able to invite three people to your dinner party this is the classic question <laughs> who would they be and why it can be anyone in the world at any different time period as well yeah um i'm with the theme here but i have to i thought about it um and the three people would have to be my daughter Alana, obviously, uh, Princess Diana, because Alana invited Princess Diana to her 16th birthday party. <laughs> and she, you know, or, or the, 
the um, Buckingham Pal- Palace refused. She was busy. You know, <laughs> so I, I would have loved Alana to have met the princess. Um, Alana had a a um, make a wish day, and she wanted to be a princess. So there's the connection there. Yeah. And my father, who died when I was nine. Um, you just don't get to ask the questions that you'd like to ask, you know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, some good I, I thought about famous people and so on, but we'll try and get an extra chair for Mick Jagger. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it, it might be a photographer rather than yeah. yeah Mick, Mick would want to get paid, I'm sure. As, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Ansel Adams or something as a photographer would be really good. <laughs> Uh, are you a sweet or savoury man, Paul? Uh, unfortunately, a sweet. Oh, he's still a sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried to cut it back though. What 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 are your um, weapons of choice when it comes to uh, the well, sweet stuff? Andrew makes a great uh, lemon meringue pie. Classic. And I, I make a great apple crumble. So, or oh, apple and lovely. rhubarb because we've got rhubarb in the garden. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Um, and finally, do you have any recommendations for us? Something you're reading, watching, a, a, a book of photography, perhaps that we can look at? Um, no, the thing I've been looking at it lately, or looking at and listening to, is a letter to you by Bruce Springsteen. It's a 2020 album. Um, I haven't been a great fan, but I something made me buy that album. I'm not sure what it was. I must have heard something about it. Um, And then I've seen the documentary on TV and that really makes the album, um, or I guess it explains what it's about. And it's it's about getting older. He's probably a couple of years older than me. So, and you start to think about your mortality. And he, in that album, he goes back over all of the, well, back to his original bandmates mm-hmm. and he was the last man standing because he was, well, the second last one died a couple of years before that. Um, and it's about, you know, those that have passed away, you know, making the most of what you've got and the friends that you have at the moment. Um, it's worth watching if you can. It, yeah. It's on... Uh, streaming TV, so you, you can't sort of buy it as a DVD or anything at the moment. But it's, um, I guess, it resonates with me because I'm at that stage, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, wonderful talking to you, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, discovering your journey and learning a bit about uh, photography along the way as well. It's been terrific. Uh, fine arts photographer, arts technician, Paul Temple. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thanks, Matt.